The views expressed by Siren Rex Fry in this episode regarding Capricorns in no way reflect the views of Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I am a sassy, sultry, slutty clone of your older sister, Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. And I am your self-absorbed, control freak, bitch older sister, Siren Rex Fry. And I'm that preppy boss bitch clone of your older sister, whose unrealistic ideals of perfection and pretentious attempts to kill you with kindness only get me killed in the end. Kevin! (laughs) This is the podcast where two actual witches analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture. Today we are joined by the most beautiful sex god of a charmed expert I have ever met, and the host of the Words of the Witches podcast, Kevin! Kevin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's so lovely to have you. Oh, hello. Thank you. Yes, I'm super excited. This is awesome. I've been listening to your show for a long time now, so yay! <laughs> Kevin, I promise to only moderately flirt with you for the duration of the episode, but I'm, I, you know, I'll do my best. Whore. <laughs> flirt away, though. I love it. I love all the attention. It's fine. I'll just bet you do. <laughs> I'm so full of myself. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're discussing Charmed Season 1, Episode 16, Which Prue Is It Anyway? The title of this episode is a play on Whose Line Is It Anyway? A comedy improv show hosted by Drew Carey, which premiered a year prior to this episode. Honestly, this title couldn't be better, because seriously, Which Prue Is It Anyway? According to IMDb, this episode rated 8.4 out of 10, and is the one where, to defeat a powerful foe, Prue casts a spell to multiply her powers, only to define that the spell works by creating multiples of Prue. Well, I definitely can't argue with that description. That hits the nail right on the head. (laughs) Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Sure does. Oh, so this one was written by show creator Constance M. Burke. Yeah, and directed by... I didn't know that until just now. The director was John Baring, I think that's how you say that. I've always liked this episode a lot. I don't know, because I'm, I'm a big Prue fan in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've always thought this was really fun because you get to see, you see her get to play a little bit differently. Get to like play up different parts, uh, you know, and be like hyper different personalities. So I liked it. Fully agreed. Despite its problems, it's one of my favorite episodes, even though it's like chaotic as fuck. (laughs) I don't remember it being so all over the place. We never stay in one place for more than a few minutes. And again, the edit makes all of the scenes feel really short and jumpy. And it's just weird. But I think the story overall of this one is really, really good and super entertaining, even if it is another All About Prove episode. (laughs) So I really like this one because I just think it's kind of funny. Um, At one point, Phoebe describes the situation as the parent trap with a B cup <laughs> and I would say that's pretty accurate um, it just like all the situations they create with the multiple proofs are like really funny and it kind of just doesn't stop being funny even after somebody dies you know it's still funny and that talent right there I also really like this one as like a character study for Prue though I think there's a lot of like psychological examination of her character here and even though it's an all about Prue episode for that reason the conclusion you know reinforces the idea that it shouldn't be all about Prue, that it's actually about all three of them. So I think it's very successful in both of those dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you know that there's a whole Freud concept? It's it 
ego and super ego. And yeah, I think this illustrates that pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I have more mystical theory about it. And I think that this episode explores Prue's differing astrology between her sun and moon signs. <gasps> oh. <Ooh>. Yes, <laughs> but see, that is very strongly connected to the ego, it, and super ego. Yeah, there's so much overlap between like mysticism and psychology truly is it's not surprising to me that that's there i mean most classical psychologists were like snorting drugs and following the occult (laughs) no judgment i do the same thing every chance i get (laughs) I, i think this episode really addresses the show's own problem that it's created for itself like focusing on prue a little too much um because it does get a little bit better from this point on i yeah and of course, season three is very much a Prue season two. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because spoiler alert, she dies. Well, <laughs> they didn't know when they're making. They didn't know when they're doing those episodes. Spoiler alert: she was the director <laughs> for most of the episodes. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. Um, it's interesting you bring that up, Kevin, because we have sort of an echo of this episode in season three. And, yes. Um, yeah. Just Harry. It's a different situation, but we're again exploring those like two sides mm-hmm. of Prue's psyche, the two sides of her personality, and it's consistent. Yeah. Yes, that, with this episode, which I appreciate. The blue sweater Prue comes back. She she makes a reappearance. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. basically. Well, you know, it's going to get into this more when like the story talked about it, but we're getting into it now. <laughs> so, if you don't know, I am like an astrology nerd. I just love it. Um, I think it's super fascinating, and I love learning about people's signs and figuring out that my perceptions of them were correct. What do you think I am? Well, I'm going to be <laughs> soups honest with you, sweetie. Um, what I know about you is what Phoenix has told me and one hour of your podcast, which I listened to this morning. Okay, okay. So... <laughs> well, I am a Scorpio sun and I have an Aquarius moon and an Aquarius rising. Oh, well, see, I was not about to guess. <laughs> well, whatever. Anyway, it's not all about you, Kevin. It's all about Prue. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, canonically, Prue is also a Scorpio. Yes. October 28th, 1970. Correct. Of course you know that. Of and course you look know at that. you with all your trivia. <laughs> I I am so prepared for you to chime in with the <laughs> trivia. I'm almost envious. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I guess actually we could check this. Oh, now that I said it? <laughs> now that now that we're recording it, I could see what her moon sign is. But my theory, my theory is that she has the Capricorn moon because Prue is very much a balance of Scorpio and Capricorn in everything that she does. And especially when you examine when her characters sort of split apart. And this one, the pink clone is very Capricorn and the blue clone is very Scorpio. Mm. She's very mission driven, which is a super Capricorn-y trait. Yeah, mission driven, um, bossy, prim, proper, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Wanting to be the best, you know, wanting to make sure you know she's the best, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. I mean, relatable, relatable. I'm an Aries. <laughs> I get it. But I understand the Scorpio side too, because I have a Scorpio. Scorpio moon and ascendant. Hey, I'm a Scorpio rising. I we, I know that, bitch. We talk about it all the time because every Scorpio rising is a witch. I swear. Do you even pay attention when I talk? I Honestly, it depends on what you're talking about. Okay, well, the point of my rant is 
I think that Prue is a blend of Scorpio and Capricorn. And I think you can explore these two sides of her personality through astrology and also through psychology. And this episode does that very well. Should we get into the scene by scene, friends? Yeah. I kind of, I have to, I'm I'm literally getting on astrolabe.com to look up Prue's birth chart. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need Kevin's expertise to whip out her birth year. I know you know it. 1970. If I find out she has a Capricorn moon, it's going to blow your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I kind of hope she doesn't because that would be really funny. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's fine. It's wrong. It's come. It's so wrong. You guys, she does not have a Libra moon. She does not. I don't accept that. Oh, she has a Capricorn ascendant. Well, if she was born exactly at noon, <laughs> what time was she born, Kevin? That I don't. I don't know that. <laughs> oh, you failed me. I know. I don't think they ever. I don't think they ever mentioned it in the show. Well, we'll just say it was exactly at noon then. Yeah. Okay. So the first scene of this episode sucks. Totally sucks. <laughs> we open in like a boxing arena or whatever, and they're like these two dudes beating the crap out of each other, and then the villain of the episode, who I've taken to referring to as a Republican, <laughs> yeah, he's like jerking off in the corner. Republicans are the villains of almost every episode, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. not tracks. He's like creepily staring at them in the ring, like he's getting off on it. It's so oh, weird. My bu- eyes are bulging too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I don't I think it's so fitting that you describe him as a Republican because like if you look at him hard enough he's basically Mitt Romney with a mullet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. Right? Wait, right? Yeah. He's Mitt Romney with a mullet and a sword and that's who this guy is. So what happens next is absolutely horrible and not to mention useless to the plot in any way i want to i want to start by saying i'm really happy this actor got work the character we next meet is named luther stubbs portrayed by a black actor named mongo brown lee and the very next thing we see is luther who has conveyed to the viewer as being violent and dangerous being immediately murdered by a white man and the episode tried to set us up to not even feel bad for this person because he's violent and a criminal and that's like some straight up racist prison industrial complex copaganda type shit and I don't like it. Praise. Right. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I don't I don't think I could have said it better. It's awful. It's, it's bad. It's yeah. It's it's sort of like I almost think that you know they wanted to have some more death in this episode because the only well I guess, you know, some other important character dies. But, like, uh-uh. most of the deaths are Prue, and she's still alive in the end. So they were like, how do we work in another murder? Yeah. And how do we make it socially acceptable? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just awful. It's awful. It sucks. This show really likes to kill people of color in, like, the first two minutes without yeah. giving them any kind of story. And the first time we get a story, oh, it's what? He deserved it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, he was bad, so he. we don't have to feel bad for him getting stabbed. Killer instinct, grr, How <laughs> ironic is it, though, that to absorb his killer instinct, he had to, like, mercilessly kill him? It's like, don't you already have that? Do you even know what you're doing? Like, <laughs> like why do you need to kill your instinct? Who's got the instructions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's explained to us later that Gabriel has to collect different types yeah. of souls or qualities in order to regain his membership with the Proud Boys. There's really no reason for this scene. I get, it conveys danger and introduces us to the bad guy, but that could have easily been done without that particular event in here. Right. 
Right. You know, there were other ways to write that. And that was like a conscious decision on the part of the writers to set up this character of color to be murdered and try to make us not feel bad for him. And I have to, I have to think that the writing here was like, just frankly racist, like before even casting, because Luther is more of a stereotypical black name. So I feel like the writer was like planning on this being like a violent black man. Everything you said, I agree with. I listen to just about every trend podcast there is. And so other podcasts have said the same thing they notice this right away it's pretty much you know right in your face and it's it's bad so i get it yeah also i can't be the only one that thinks this sword looks like you could get it at toys r us right right (laughs) yeah it does look like a giant toy no it does look like a giant toy like power ranger style it do you have the sword kevin let me tell you let me tell you a story about this okay i do not have the sword although i am working on getting one i mean this actual sword they have the artifact it was sold on ebay for it was going on ebay for four thousand dollars i know the person who bought it got it for like three thousand dollars damn <laughs> his name is jared and he bought it and um he has it hanging up in his room right now so it's there um but i do know someone who's making a replica of it too which i would rather pay like you know a hundred dollars instead of a couple thousand dollars so it's fine <laughs> yeah it's just it's super i think it's the fact that it's clear that makes it look like it's not real i know it's supposed to be yeah. crystal but it looks plastic to me oh it's like super low budget it's acrylic <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, so after this racially motivated death scene, cut to the manor, time unknown as usual. Um, Piper's complaining about her horrible job. Prue complains about their grandmother's statue that we have never seen before (laughs) ever, but we're expected to believe it's like been in the house this whole time. And even though that situation's never resolved, we'll never see it again. You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they must have gotten movers it, like i don't even understand this whole thing at all they're talking about this statue they can't get rid of and how they like don't want to pay for storage downtown they have an attic and a basement like bitches figure it out they're literally witches they're literally <laughs> witches just because right? prue can't pick it up doesn't mean there's not another way to get it to the basement i mean you got all kinds of spells in there like just do a spell honestly <laughs> honestly I mean, per- personal gain but that how has that ever stopped you before like really <laughs> well, i don't even need to do that it's established that like phoebe has this rolodex of guys she's fucked who will just come over and move couches for her like come on <laughs> phoebe's connecting to the storyline by wearing boxing gloves and larping buffy the vampire slayer on this latest impulse buy she bought a person-shaped punching bag what it's slam man you know how when you're like trying to improve your life but you don't actually want to put any effort into it so you buy something useless that makes you feel like you're improving your life it's like that yeah i do that shit all the time like every time i buy produce i mean we all know what's gonna happen with that nothing (laughs) it's gonna rot in the fridge seriously it's like do you really need another slap chop what are you gonna do with that yeah or like anytime anyone ever buys a gym membership like who are you fooling Um, come on i go to the gym i go to the gym like five days a week was that too direct of a hit for you phoenix (laughs) kevin also has a a well-muscled lovely physique I try. Kevin looks like he has a gym membership. <laughs> it's really expensive, too. It's like $70 a month. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That I know. is a waste of money. <laughs> I can be miserable at my house. <laughs> <laughs> but we got lots of goodies. We got locker service, towel service, 
sauna, steam room, pool, hot tub, all the goodies. Okay, well, I have a PlayStation 4 and DoorDash, so, like, I'm sad. <laughs> that just sounds like every place gays like to hook up in Chicago. I mean, yeah, Steamworks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, I've been there, it's actually really nice, but... You know, uh, I have not been there, but I will not be going. Why are we talking about this? But anyway... <laughs> Because I'm a slut. But it's, it's it's it can be scary, but it's also really nice. Like they they keep it really clean, really lots of cool things. They have a gym in there too. You can go to the gym in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's waterfall pool. Oh, beautiful. Anyway, Phoebe says that she bought this because she's tired of being a useless waste of space. But I think she just has a spending problem and self control issues. <laughs> yeah. So like so to make myself more useful to the group, I have taken out a credit card that I have no way to pay off. You're welcome. <laughs> The sisters have this really cute moment where they all start play fighting with each other. They do it. Super cute. I love it. It's like, and it reminded me of actually something that happened with my family. My older sister was like doing like Kung Fu moves on my brother. She's like, whoa. I'm like, this is totally what happened to me in my Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> they start laughing each and they're, they're having a little fight, a little tussle. Phoebe ruins it by having a vision of Prue dying. Oh my gosh. Stupid vision. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really useful in about two years when her head's up her boyfriend's ass the whole time. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have talked about this briefly, but after season one, I hate Phoebe for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't mind her in season two so much either, but season three on. I really don't hate her until season six. I, that's when it just goes off the rails for me. Well, I mean, season six was kind of messy, just in general. It, yeah, I mean, oof, that haircut alone. <laughs> but it's like, Girl. yeah, it really does quickly become the Phoebe show. The amazing Phoebe show. Um, So I don't know. It's it's sad, but it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it sort of becomes like Sex in the City starring Phoebe as sometimes a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really it. It's just like after... After Cole, everything with Phoebe becomes about like love and romance and relationships. And like, yeah, that's a really important part of life, but it's annoying too. (laughs) But yeah, but honey, like you're consistently dating straight men and not understanding where the problems are coming from. It's so obvious. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, next morning, Phoebe has decided to deal with this vision by drawing like 26 different sketches of the sword, none of which look correct and all of which look like crap, (laughs) which I guess is... Helpful. She draws so many swords, and none of them are the sword, and they all look like shit. They're all so bad. I know, and she's got what? She's got like the Book of Shadows in front of her, and I guess somehow like drawing all these swords is going to help her identify a sword when she sees one in the in the book. I just feel, I just feel like, okay, if I'm if I need to see a sword, am I gonna like Google it or am I gonna try to draw it poorly? I don't understand the logic. I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, there's never pictures in the Book of Shadows. Like, what the fuck? But you know, it's sort of just like her like boxing self defense training system. She had to put on a big show and scatter some shit everywhere to make it look like she was doing something and again i get it i get it 
Like, I have a job. I get it. Uh, Yeah. Prue's being a total workaholic and insisting on going to work, even though that's, like, super stupid. That's, like, not the right choice in any way. Uh, Piper and Phoebe tell her that she's being super stupid, but she's like, whatever, losers. Bye. And so, you know, I'm sorry. That is so Capricorn of her. Like, seriously, she's like, death threat? Well, I better go clock in. (laughs) No match for me. (laughs) Prue goes to Buckland's to meet a rich white lady who we know is rich because of her white powers. <laughs> yes, that's true. She is rich because she's she she's she's in that power walk suit. It's great. Claire overextends her authority again by forcing Prue to go to a secondary location by herself with a Fox News reporter looking bitch. <laughs> 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 Masterpiece. <laughs> um, so I think Prue just makes really bad decisions in this episode. She does literally the exact wrong thing at every turn. And do you know who else does that? Capricorns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they definitely are poor, but I think it is it is something that's in character for her because she she is never afraid of anything. She's always willing to put herself in danger no matter what. She's like, as long as you know my sisters are safe, I don't matter. <laughs> like. <laughs> So, it makes sense. <laughs> it's like, goddamn, I'll do anything to stop working with Alyssa Milano. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I think it's pretty, like, throughout her three seasons, like, Prue is just, like, always work-obsessed, workaholic. Like, even when she changes careers, it's, like, still that way. It's just kind of her thing. Yeah. Very Capricorn thing. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> I am so hostile towards Capricorns. And if you're a Capricorn and you're listening to this, I just want you to know I'm not sorry. <laughs> um... But, you know, I kind of get it because as someone who's recently become a workaholic, you sort of don't realize it's happening until it's too late. And then you're just like in and then it's your whole life and you're obsessed and you can't let it fall apart because you've let it fall apart. And like, what do you have going on? Like, you have nothing but your two cats. <laughs> you got you to, gotta, you know, pay to keep the heat on for your cats when you're not home for 12 hours a day and get them gourmet cat food for some reason. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Oh, we shook a nerve, (laughs) shook a nerve. (laughs) So at Quake, Piper's job is super stupid and boring. And Phoebe has some expositioning to do because apparently she found something. After all of her sketches, she found some useful information. So good for her. Uh, So she fills Piper in on the Lords of War. And they basically just like really love war. So I am totally convinced that the villains are Republicans. Basically, Gabriel is out for a killer instinct, the magic of a firstborn witch, and all that damn oil in Iraq. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I feel like Helena and Gabriel would just not wear masks? Oh Oh my gosh. They are so anti maskers. Shut up. They they will fight you in the store. I know it. Because I work in the store. And we have some people, but like. Do you know who they are? Do you know who Helena and Gabriel are? They are those two people who like stood outside their mansion with their guns while that Black Lives Matter march went by. (laughs) That's who they are. I know exactly Uh-oh. who you're talking about. Siren mentioned apparently one of the things that Gabriel has to steal to get back in his hate group is the magic of a firstborn witch because they're supposed to be the strongest. Why? <laughs> because Prue is the best, Phoenix. Shannon Doherty had it in her contract that she would be the best and they built a show around her. It's I just don't know why you don't get that. <laughs> God. <laughs> but it actually, so it kind of builds a little bit of world building there with firstborn witches being the strongest or what the fuck ever. Because when Prue dies, 
who gets the best power or the most like offensive power? Piper. Piper. Yeah. Who, who is the oldest at that point? It kind of tracks with the show's mythology. That doesn't mean I like it, but... <laughs> But is it consistent, though? Because, I mean, you could say that Paige is more powerful than Phoebe. True. We also learned that Gabriel is invincible as long as he has his sword. Blah, blah, blah. Penis, penis, penis. Yeah, the sword thing is, like, fully a penis metaphor, right? Yeah, I mean, they they make note of that through their dialogue, too. They want you to know. I'm sorry. You lost me at penis. What are we talking about? Wrong. Welcome to You Must Be Myth Taken, the part of the show where we call out the wild inaccuracies and misrepresented figures, features, and creatures in mythology. So, in this episode, the villain Gabriel, a lord of war, has a magic sword, which he is mystically bound to, and which he uses to kill people and steal their abilities or powers. Magic blades that steal powers are a recurring item in the Charm series, so I thought now would be a pretty good time to explore the topic of these sorceress swords. Ooh, I like that alliteration! Thank you! It's because I'm a poet, I'm so clever, thank you! So, there are a lot of enchanted blades throughout mythology, so I want to touch on that a little bit first. Um, Obviously, there's the famed Excalibur from the Arthurian legend, which of course you all know, or at least I know Kevin knows, will show up later in season six of Charmed. Oh, he has an Excalibur Um, replica. He's about to go get it. Okay, well, I gotta look at that. There you go. Oh my god. (laughs) And see, that's really pretty. So, like, I almost think, I mean, I know you're just, like, a collector, and I respect that, but when you have that thing, like, why do you even want this, like, (laughs) acrylic-ass, like, (laughs) 3D printed crystal sword whatever it is it's not really charmed but i have a couple swords in my reach at the moment and a keyblade oh i have one of those too it is very heavy and if i hit a bitch with it i think they would go that's down. true that, that works <laughs> Magical swords are also common in more contemporary fantasy writings, such as the Sword of Shannara or Kalendor from the Wheel of Time series. There are just too many mythical swords to name them all, quite frankly. But be they wielded by human or deity, most of these swords represent a connection to the divine and an authority that has either been earned or divinely awarded. Most of these mystical swords are wielded by men, and, like we said, given the phallic shape of the sword, it should come as no surprise that swords are often associated with masculine energy. Penis, 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 penis. (laughs) I'm sure we could have a psychological field day with the whole dick equals weapon thing, but who has the time? So as Phoenix so brilliantly summed it up, penis, 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 which is also (laughs) just what it sounds like inside his head all day every day. We want to talk about how blades are typically used in actual witchcraft. There are generally two types of blades commonly used in witchcraft, both of which have their own fancy Wicca-y names. 
the first is athame, which is a ceremonial knife used to channel and direct energy. Traditionally, an athame is not to be used to ever cut anything ever, and some witches believe that to do so would be to profane the blade forever. An athame, I think for both Siren and I in our practices, is just one of the main tools used when calling upon the elements or doing any kind of ritual. I kind of use my athame like a wand. And while some witches may not associate an athame with any element, there's some interest and debate about whether an athame should represent fire or air. These kinds of discussions are purely symbolic preference and in no way is one better than the other. So the argument for air is that the blade slices through air and air is the only thing that it's allowed to cut. The argument for fire is that the metal used to form the blade had to be heated in extremely hot fire in order to be created. Um, I tend to like the air association better. Like Phoenix said, like there isn't one that's better than the other, but I'm sort of curious, Phoenix, where do you fall on that? I prefer athames for fire actually, uh, because I associate wands with air in the suit of the tarot. And the reason that I, I think that way is because wands are made of wood and wood is, comes from trees. And I associate trees with wisdom, which relates to the intellect like cognitive aspects of the air element. I think that's um, pretty interesting. And that's a theory I hadn't heard before. And now, like I said, I prefer the like um, athames are air and wands are fire thing. But I read this thing once. I don't even know who the fuck said it. But it was like um, wands represent air because they are made from the limbs of trees, which have stretched up into the sky and had the wind blow through them. Oh, that's and pretty. I think that's, I know, I think that's super beautiful. So I kind of love that. Now, Kevin, I know you've studied Wicca because of Charmed. Does any of this sound familiar to you at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know words. yes you do yes you do sweetie thank you (laughs) no yes (laughs) uh but yeah i I mean athame is pretty common in charm but also you know they're very common if for anybody who's just even like read a brief amount of wiccan things or witchy things um i think associating with athames with fire and like the suit of swords to fire for me comes with the fact that both of those things can do damage. Uh-huh. Blades, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. can get that. cut and destroy things as fire can destroy things. Um, you touched on the tarot um, and when you were offering your opinion, and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. The four like basic elemental tools of witchcraft, at least is according to the tradition I practice, um, they align with the suits of the tarot. So athames are represented by the suit of swords. And so I have multiple decks. I I don't know any tarot reader who don't have multiple decks at this point. Like, <laughs> there are just so many of them, and you need them all. I have like four, and I'm still have, I'm still kind of learning. I have like four or five ready. Oh, <laughs> wow. like I, mean, I think that's yeah. I think that's a decent amount for a beginner. Yeah, yeah, all right, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but um, so I have I have decks that portray these elements differently. Um, I have decks that show the swords with air imagery and I have decks that show swords with fire imagery. And so I, I honestly, I read the cards differently based on like what deck I have. I feel, I feel like the meanings are different. Yeah. I only have one deck that I read with. I have another deck that I use for spirit work and then another deck that I don't use because I just didn't really like their vibe. Even though the deck that I read with associates wands with the fire element, I tend to view them as air and intellectual, which sometimes goes against traditional tarot meanings. So I sort of have to be a little bit more intuitive about it. 
Mm. Um, because my associations with those things are different. But you know, I mean, that's obviously perfectly okay because the tarot is a tool to access your intuition. It's not something you're supposed to memorize by rote and then just like recite off. Like that, where does that get you? Exactly, exactly. It's all a personal journey, a personal interpretation, yeah. Absolutely, that's 100% correct. Shall we read about this other pointy object in witchcraft now we went on a bit of a tangent there (laughs) Uh, the other kind of blade commonly used in witchcraft is called a bowline uh, traditional bowline has a curved blade, almost like a crescent moon, or, you know, like the moon stick from Sailor Moon, which is cool <laughs> as hell. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to. The bowline is used to cut things, such as herbs or cords, and it's also used to carve candles. It's kind of your magic craft scissors. So whereas with an athame, you might like be like waving it around in some performative way that's ultimately dangerous because you're 14 and don't know what the fuck you're doing and vastly overconfident for your dexterity. But um, the bowline is less about the performative symbolic work and more like the actual act of using the blade in your magical craft. But again, it's it's not it's not to like um, cut people <laughs> typically. <Yeah. laughs> and if so, I just hope that it's at least with consent. You just need to cut a bitch sometimes, okay? So a lot of books that I've read have said that an athame should have a black handle and a bowline should have a white handle, but I just want you all to know that I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> I literally don't care. I bought my athame because it looked cool. Yeah. So I think that is the best reason to buy anything. You need to be attracted to your 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 tools for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I also yeah, words of wisdom. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I'm oh. 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 And you know, typically I am only attracted to tools. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I have a pretty exquisite taste personally. Well, I don't. <laughs> we know. I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, I think it's important that we set the record straight on these types of things because so often the witchy obsession with knives is portrayed as a dangerous thing. Like we have these special ceremonial daggers that we want to, you know, mash up your babies with and cut them into pieces and sacrifice them to the devil. And in Charmed specifically, only demons and warlocks use knives to kill people that are called athames. And that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is a total bastardization of what the word actually stands for. Um, so we started with swords, and then we went into athames and bull lines. Now, are there any witches out there who actually use swords in their practice? And the answer is yes. Um, some people just think swords are cool, and I'm down with. I think they're cool, but um, in like traditional Wicca, um, the high priestess would carry a sword for like very formal rituals. The high priestess typically wielded a sword during like a hand fasting or a Mm -hmm. wickening or a crossing ceremony or just anything where the event is more formal than casual. A sword is deemed appropriate. Now, I think a sword is appropriate anytime whoever's there isn't afraid of it. (laughs) But like, I mean, you do you do what you want. Prue gets to the warehouse and her stuff degree gets to, gets put to some really good use. Unfortunately, 
Republican Barbie set her up and Proud Boy is her brother. Okay. <laughs> did you well, did you notice this um this Roman Grecian thing she was looking at? Um I did not, but I assume you probably have it. Okay, I did not delve into here. So t- tell us about it. Well, well, I don't know much about it, but but it's the exa- it's the exact same prop they use in Oh my goddess. They just paint it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's what releases the god essences on them and that's where it, yeah from this little hmm. yeah. No, oh, I guess they just like they dug in the closet to see what they had for that really. That weird. is really interesting. Like they yeah. kept the prop for like five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were like, "What do we want to use for this weird ass plot line?" I don't know. Just look in the prop department. I. It never even occurred to me to think about like what the prop collection on Charmed must have looked like, but I bet it was cool as fuck. Yeah, and they they've done this before. Like you know, Tuatha's book, Tuatha's uh. Spellbook is mm-hmm. is used again in season six as the Phoenix Grimoire. Really? Uh huh. I'm gonna have to keep an eye out. Yeah. <laughs> so the incest vibes are really strong with the bad guys, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> we are not making it up this time. The incest vibes in this case, in fact, are real. Yeah. And because we are who we are, we have the integrity to comment on it for you. <laughs> I mean, it's fitting for how conservative they seem. They got to keep those bloodlines pure, right? There's always some weird incest <laughs> shit going on with the Republicans. I mean, I'm sorry. It is. Who cares like, if your baby has an extra arm? At least it's white. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. Oh, oh my brother Gabriel. Oh, like. <laughs> we were fucking right before you got here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah. Wow. And so, in addition to being into their like weird white supremacist incest stuff, they're also into uh, bondage <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, they are. So they so they trick Prue into getting trapped in a pillory. How does that happen? Okay, because they get her to put her hands in it, and then it just like closes automatically. How does it close on her yeah. with magic? With the magic that Gabriel hasn't stolen back yet? Like how? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, it's missing a piece. And then, uh, I don't know, is there like a trigger inside there? That's the only thing I could think of, is like some kind of trigger. It was like maybe pressure sensitive. I don't know how heavy yeah. Shannon Doherty's arms are, but maybe it just like <laughs> set it off. Luckily, they are just as incompetent as they sound, and Prue escapes pretty easily. Um, I think the camera work is really good in this episode. And I think in this one especially, everything looks really good. The scene where Prue throws Helena, I think is the best her power has looked in action throughout the whole series so far in my personal opinion it does look pretty good and i'm skipping ahead here but this my last rewatch of this i was noticing that the camera work whenever um two prues are talking to each other is also very good yes 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 because yes. obviously they just have like a, a you know a background actress and a wig like posing as Prue right. for a lot of it but it flows very smoothly and it looks really good. So back at the manor, Piper scolds Prue for turning off her cell phone and Phoebe comes down for some more exposition and we learn about a battle between Gabriel and their ancestor, Brianna? Who? Yes. What? So, yeah, so this is a throwaway line, but like they say that Brianna fought Gabriel in the Crimean War. Mm -hmm. So let's let's, let's extrapolate on that. Okay, (laughs) so what you mean to tell me is that after... 
the Warrens originally fled to the new American colonies in the 1600s, presumably to escape religious persecution, only to find themselves facing, get this, more religious persecution. But after all that, they then went back to Europe and then to Russia in 1850 to take part in a holy war for the rights of Christians. And then they moved to California. (laughs) That is the family history. What is happening? There's a move happened somewhere along the lines. We don't know. We don't know what happened. Well, I mean, maybe not the, I mean, the whole family might not have come to America. Some of them might have stayed in Europe because we really only meet the one bitch that's pregnant. So maybe there were more people still over there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So maybe like Melinda Warren's mom had a sister named Brianna. I think they refer to her Brianna as like their great, great, great aunt or something at one point, I remember. Mm-hmm. Which then if that's if it's an aunt, would it really be there? I don't know. I really Well <laughs> it, it has to be a like a descendant of Melinda because Melinda's born in sixteen seventy and Correct. Brianna is in the Crimean War in eighteen fifty. So timeline just doesn't pan out there. Oh no. No, I tried. I tried to make it make sense, but it didn't work. No. Prue may not be powerful enough to defeat Gabriel on her own, to which Piper suggests the power of three, and Phoebe has a not-as-good idea that she is defensive about. Relatable. I mean, (laughs) it's a bad plan. It's like, here, do this spell that I found. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here, do this random thing we've never done before and don't know what it does when we clearly have... I disagree. I think it's a great plan. You just, like, find a spell to become more powerful. You just do it. Right. Phoebe suggests this spell to multiply one's strength. They call it an incantation a lot. And the way that they say incantation is annoying. Overemphasize like every syllable has a hit. It's like incantation. The way that Piper said it in episode one. Incantation? Incantation. What What kind of incantation? What kind of incantation? (laughs) So um, that's irritating. And... uh, Prue goes upstairs to cast the spell, which becomes quite noisy, and then she splits into three copies of herself. <laughs> it is noisy. Like, is she like, are things exploding in the air? Like, we th- we see things moving around, but like, mm-hmm. why is it so noisy? It's like she <laughs> fell on the ground, and all of the dust on their floor came up in the air and swirled around her as she yeah. became a traffic light. Because um, <laughs> you know those bitches don't clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> This is Misspelled, the part of the show where we critique the spells used by TV witches and talk about how a real witch might do the same thing. So in this episode, Prue casts a spell to clone herself. In the real world, there is no such thing as a spell to clone yourself. <laughs> the end. Um, Ta-da! <laughs> so for Misspelled, Kevin, as I mentioned briefly, you have studied Wicca a little yeah. and are a really big fan of Charm. So I would like to know... If you have ever tried to cast any of the spells from Charmed. Oh, oh my. Um, well, I never did any like love spells because I, I was not interested in that type of stuff. I'm like, no, love spells are stupid and they never work for me. But but I guess, you know, but I've learned that, the, you know, there are, there are ways to do it in a, in a better way. Because we talked about it in your Dream Sorcerer episode, I remember. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I know I did like the Lost and Found spell quite a bit because I was always losing things. Okay. <laughs> Super so, useful. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. And at one time I did it to find my hamster because my hamster got out of the cage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to use this lost of found spell to find my hamster. And it worked. And he would get, he had him crawling like, out from under the couch. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> 
So have you ever done like a, a legitimate ritual, like when you were studying magic or? I would do, there was one they did, there was like, it was a, a circle when you catch a circle. Okay. It had like elements in it. I remember, I remember like drawing a diagram. Oh, I think I have my book still from where I did that. Oh, let me find it. This has Tempest's stuff on it. It's fine, but I have Charmed TV guides. I have to get in here. It's in here. Okay. This was my little Charmed book of spells back when I was like 12. <laughs> Oh, that is adorable. That Shut is up. so cute. Oh my god. <laughs> and uh, I wrote like little things in there. I t- printed something out. Okay, let me find the one. So, I, oh, and I have like, so there's a circle and then the three sides. A diagram for the construction of a 17th century magic circle used for the purpose of the protection and healing, not for evil power. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, count me out. <laughs> this is useless to me. Oh, my no, gosh. No that was evil so powers. Funny. That was so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I would, like, I would write down every spell that I could remember from the show. Because this was before, like, you could really find them on the internet. Right? Dude, I did that same shit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I even have dictionaries, like, words. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is funny to look back at. Okay, anyway. That's, like, a legitimate grimoire. That's, like. Yeah. And, look. From Charm Book. I even have the book spells from the books. <laughs> oh. Funny how I started a podcast about the books. Huh? <laughs> you have compiled references from different mystical media. Yes. To create your own practice. That's really cool. So I, I want to know. I mean, okay. So you're you're a prominent Charmed podcaster. So you're involved in witchcraft somewhat. Do you identify as a witch i would say i'm a dabbler because you know i've definitely done i've definitely done magic before um i don't have any like specific faith specific like uh sect or anything like that but um you know i i think i believe in energy and i believe in will and i believe in all that type of stuff so i consider myself more of like a spiritualist solid i mean i mean other than calling myself a witch, that's kind of how I would define myself as well. Yeah, I mean, sounds like witchcraft to me. Okay. But um, labels should be self-embraced. So, okay, so I know that you've listened yes. to our first episode. Um, so I'm thinking back to, to when Phoenix and I both talked about the influence that this show had on our spiritual path. W- would you say that you had a similar experience? Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's kind of what sparked my interest, you know, between that and the craft, those are the two things that were at the time. Yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, let me let me investigate some more. So I was just like reading it and I'm like, hey, that actually makes a lot of sense. I can dig this, you know? <laughs> and so there are a lot of pieces that really kind of fit. Yeah, Siren's first book of shadows was just the craft on VHS, so. Basically. <laughs> um, so now I really have to know, did you ever try to do the um, the calling the corners ritual from the craft? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of by myself when I did it, so. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do all of them. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I already knew the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I use something very similar from the craft to cast my circles. So hail to the guardian of the watchtowers of the West. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've done that one. Really. The only difference um, between my experience in the movie is that the only beach whale in the morning was me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
So the next morning, things are pretty busy at the manor as the Prus are being total nuisances, hogging the bathroom, drinking all the coffee, using all the hot water, typical annoying sister stuff, you know? Oh, I don't know. It could be the upstairs bathroom hogging Prue or the downstairs bathroom hogging Prue or they're sitting in the kitchen drinking all the coffee Prue. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) These people have so much money, but they just never have enough coffee or bathrooms. (laughs) Honestly. And they get rid of the bathroom. (laughs) They do. They get rid of a bathroom and add a fucking coat closet. What? What? <laughs> poor, poor choice. So I know that, I know that, like, this is just, you know, if, if everybody acted smart all the time, we wouldn't have the episode. And I understand that. But at the point when Prue first clones herself, they have like three telekinetic witches and then two other witches. And like, why didn't they just like skip all the bullshit Buckland's drama and just go fucking kill him? Like, I guys, <laughs> guys. I, I don't know. They haven't put together the fact that, like, Gabriel's sword can kill him. So they, like, don't know what to do. Well, I mean, the whole thing comes from, like, okay, they have to go to Buckland's to find his address or whatever. Like, if they had invented scrying before this episode, like, <laughs> you know, whatever, guys. They didn't have a fucking crystal to roll along their mouse pad yet, so. <laughs> Phoebe decides that she's going to color code the clones, and all I can hear is the Powerpuff Girls theme song. And see, the Powerpuff theme song is actually just what it's like inside my head all the time. <laughs> Andy shows up to shockingly not arrest Prue for the first time in several weeks, but to invite her out on a date. Oh my. They have, they have really good chemistry, but it's awkward. Probably because she's a clone. Oh, yeah, I get that. They, they did the scene perfectly well, I think, because you can tell they really kind of feel each other, but there's a there's something off, like that mm-hmm. Uncanny Valley thing, which, ah, oh, it's perfect. I like it. It works. Yeah, I think this. I think the scene works, and I think that it's acted well enough that you can see that they're connecting, but in a sort of superficial way, mm-hmm. which is kind of the vibe that I get from the pink sweater prue. Oh, that's a good catch. No, that's a really good catch for sure. Um, I want to point out that uh, both of the prue's clones say that Andy has a nice tie, but it's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such an ugly tie. It is. Like, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> So the Prus have to divide and conquer because not only are they up against a lord of war, but their own goddamn personal life as well, which to be fair, looks pretty stressful from the outside. But like, I mean, did the book say they needed the strength of three just to like navigate corporate America? I don't know, but I could sure use two more of me. God damn it. I'd probably work less overtime. <laughs> I, honestly, same. But just to balance like my day-to-day responsibilities. I just need to do things. One of me can go model, one of me can go to work, one of me can sleep, you know? Well, I mean, it seems like you have much more responsibility in your creative work than Siren and I do. (laughs) I really appreciate you including yourself in that dig, but I know that it was directed only at me, you bitch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, you're doing like all kinds of shit. Kevin just got back from like, being a guest cosplayer at Comic-Con, which is fucking cool as shit. It was oh, super wow. cool. What'd you do? I, uh, I had a booth and I wore I wore stuff that I could pack easily. So I couldn't bring my Sora like I wanted to because Keyblades won't, won't fit in my suitcase. But I uh, I did Yakko Warner the first day. Like the Animaniacs yes. fucking guy? Yes, yes. <laughs> I did but not in a creepy way. No cl- creepy clown way. Just a nice, normal, inspired by... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I did my Cyclops, 90s Cyclops from X-Men. 
which you looked oh my God, very hot up. in, I must say. Cyclops is a gay icon. Yes, I mean. it's very popular. It's a very popular cosplay of mine. Um, and then uh-huh. the last, <laughs> the last day I did my Spider Man, bisexual Spider Man. So, yeah. as a <laughs> as a subscriber to your OnlyFans, I can say that the Cyclops cosplay is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> At Buckland's. This is one of the many times I think the camera work between the multiple crews is really, really good and feels super natural as they're having a conversation with each other. Like the way that it's cutting back and forth doesn't necessarily feel jumpy because you can see the other one like over the shoulder in the shot. So it feels continuous even though they're jump cuts. And I think that whether or not that was intentional really helped the continuity of the scene for me. Having the other actress in the wig, like with the over the shoulder shot, just makes the most sense. But I was just thinking, do you remember in our last Charmed episode when we talked about how Phoebe played like three different characters really well? Uh-huh. Or, or rather, Alyssa Milano played three different characters really well. Um, I feel like Shannon Doherty is giving that to mm-hmm. us right now. Um, I don't think there are as many good moments with the blue clone, Mm-mm. but... The scenes between like the real Prue and the pink clone, especially this one, are like really good. And it doesn't feel like the same actress having a conversation with herself. It feels like two different people. It does. And I think that that just speaks But also the same person. So it's I don't know, it's very it's very good. I yeah. mean, it it speaks to Shannon Doherty's skill level for sure. Yeah, she can't say naked correctly, but she can do just about <laughs> anything else. No, she can't. Naked. Cannot. Naked. <laughs> Naked, <laughs> naked. I think that's from I think that's from her um, Tennessee upbringing. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once Claire gets involved in this scene, though, I think it gets a little silly. But also, like, it's played for comedy. I think there's this weird vibe lately, though, that whenever Claire is around something magical happening. It conveys this feeling of panic to the viewer. Yes. That's really believable. It does. I think, well, I think it's because, um, shit, what is her name? The actress who plays Claire. Um, Christine Rose has this presence about her that's very, like, prim, proper woman that you really are afraid to disappoint. And, mm-hmm. and so when you, like, add the, like, the extra tension of trying to hide the secret from her, it's very effective. Yeah, she's scary, and you always feel like she's going to be judging you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, I have I know people like that, yeah. and I have also am people like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe it's because I have authority issues, but I think Claire needs to mind her own goddamn business. <laughs> you have such a beef with Claire. I don't like her. This is, the f- like, this is not the first instance of her overextending her authority and forcing Prue to go out of her way for something, and it puts her in danger. I feel, and I feel like she should have gone with her. If she wanted her to go do this thing real bad, why is she like, oh, Pruko, like, you should be going with her. This is a joint thing. You do not send an employee unaccompanied on assignment like that. Like, that's just not... Yeah. To a creepy warehouse. <laughs> yeah, even if it's just one other person to go with them, even if they're not going to do anything. Like, what is Claire going to do all day? Just, like, sit on her ass and be a bitch to everyone? Like, yeah, I get that that's, like, the dream, but still... Yeah, where do I sign up for that job? <laughs> so I guess what you're saying, Phoenix, is that um, Claire's character in Charmed is really a damning Marxist critique of overall the capitalist system and the way that corporations focus more on crunching numbers than taking care of actual human beings. 
Um, oh. Yeah. I thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> Thank you for encapsulating all of my brilliant thoughts. Yeah, you betcha. The real Prue leaves with Claire with oh, and the pink one fills Piper in on the plan and makes a promise she can't keep. All the while, the blue one is being a total mood in the quake kitchen. Oh, that pasta. Kevin, would you be into it if I seductively ate pasta in front of you? Because I could do that. I would. I mean, sure. I mean, What's I, your specialty? I, <laughs> <laughs> I happen to know that that is factually true. <laughs> there is nothing seductive about the way that I eat pasta. <laughs> I mean, same. Unless you're into, like, food porn. <laughs> Unless you're into that sort of thing. I'm going to twist it around my fork ever so slowly, you know, yeah. <laughs> Watch me slurp on this noodle, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Blinded by the light, Gabriel says after throwing a flashbang. I thought you were going to say blinded by the white lighter. Which is the new return episode. Season 3, episode 11. Of course you know that. What is that, though? <laughs> I mean, what kind of energy is that? So I'm like, I don't know, weird incel shit. I'm about to murder you. Let me quote song lyrics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he kills the pink clone and throws a fit when he doesn't get what he wants. Typical man. And Prue feels the pain of her clone, and it's like super intense. And then Claire looks like she gives a fuck about her. <laughs> I just I feel like I have to come to Claire's defense because I am the literal devil. But so I I am people's boss now. And I'm just imagining if one of my employees was like literally never fucking there and always making excuses and then I got this horrible complaint about them and then when we were on our way to try to fix the problem, she like faked a medical incident i mean i don't know i would be looking for a way to get this bitch fired well that's because you're a cunt that could it's probably part of it <laughs> so um after like Cruz clone gets horribly murdered andy is called down to the morgue where he finds her body and he's um understandably soups upset by this um he goes to break the news to the to her sisters and is really upset when Phoebe doesn't react the way he expects her to. So this scene is really chaotic and bonkers. And there's only one way, listeners, that we can really show it to you. Drama. Talent. Suffering. This is a dramatic reenactment. And we are sorry. Andy, hi! Hi, Phoebe. I'm sorry. Why? What did you do? Phoebe, this is serious. I work in homicide, in case you forgot, since I'm always doing unrelated stuff. I've done this lots of times, but this is the worst. Bro is dead! Oh, thank God. I mean, are you... Like, really sure it was Prue? I saw the body in the morgue. Also, a bunch of other investigators were doing my job for me and found some blood that will further the plot along. Okay, what was she wearing, Andy? I need to know, Andy. Like, literally, like, like what color sweater and everything, Andy? What did she have on, Andy? I think the report said pink, even though I literally saw her right before I came here. Oh, thank God. I hated that one. Why aren't you sad? Well, Andy, it's no secret that 
I fucking hate Prue. The next time you want to be a slut in my restaurant, at least go to the glory hole in the bathroom like any decent person would. Wow, it's really convenient that I have a time-freezing power since my real sister just came in with Andy here talking to the slutty version of my sister after seeing the control freak bitch version of my sister dead in the morgue. You better go hide whichever you are. We can deal with your trauma later. Prue, I was, I was just at the morgue and you were totally dead. Like, super dead. Wow, thanks. I didn't think my new foundation was that pale. Obviously, I'm not dead. You're fucking bad at your job. Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Did you make up your mind about the concert? Um, I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe we can play with your handcuffs later when I'm done not being a dead body. You don't remember the conversation we had this morning, and I just saw your dead body. You're obviously a criminal! So I'll come back later to be really inconvenient, but also super hot. So, so she's not dead? Thank God that's over. Okay, that went. <laughs> Thank you for your participation, Kevin, and our dramatic reenactment. Oh, I, I loved it. You. It was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Siren, you did a fantastic job. <laughs> As expected. I knew you would. You would. <laughs> Kevin, I know that this is basically the definition of a podcaster anyway, but have you ever considered being just like a movie announcer only for really gay movies? <laughs> no, but now I did. Because that is your calling, sister. <laughs> Blue and the sisters try to make a new plan now that one of the Prues got whacked. The Prues want to sneak into Gabriel's house and Piper and Phoebe think that's dumb as fuck. And Blue wants to leverage the incest against Gabe and Prue says the little sisters have to stay home. Mm. They, I mean, they're basically like coding the talk about incest at this point. They really are. Prue says, Prue says he has this weird binding passion for his sister Helena, which is binding as an in into bondage. Yeah, it's like WB 90s phrasing for Gabriel likes to fuck his sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it's a coincidence that in a minute we're gonna find Helena in an Iron Maiden. Yeah, they have that they have that shit because they're collectors. Sure. <laughs> I think she was just probably in it when Blue Proof got yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're kinky collectors. I like it. <laughs> yeah, real kinky. So at the Statler estate, Megan Kelly is making out with her big bro, Mitt Romney with a mullet, and plotting a home invasion. I would bet you anything that that's actually true right now. Um, <laughs> Gabriel congratulates himself on winning a game of chess against himself, which is so white male. Oh my god, I swear they need a fucking parade for everything. Reversal of fortune! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piper and Phoebe kick Blue out of the... Oh, I like we call her Blue now. Mm. Uh, Piper and Phoebe kick Blue out of the club and carefully explain to Prue that she's just a dumb bitch. Meanwhile, Blue sneaks away to find Gabriel on her own and puts Megan in a torture device, <laughs> which I'm sorry. <laughs> we all know why they have that. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Me Megan in a torture device. Yes, uh, but she was fully already in there. She was. I know she was in already there. in there. Yeah, she. Yeah, Blue wants the sword in exchange for Helena, but Gabriel just kills his sister instead. Yikes! Then Gabe kills Blue too. That did not work out. What a dumb plan. What a dumb bitch Prue was. Yeah, no, that was a stupid idea. Cause like 
I definitely don't think she expected Gabriel to impale his sister with his penis metaphor. No, but, right. But given everything we've said, the clues were there. And it was there. If she was just smart enough, you know? Well, they did this shit on purpose. There's no way that this incesty shit was not on purpose. <laughs> but this is the fate that all conservatives deserve. So, you know, I'm coming back to the fact that Constance Burge wrote this one. Like, she always had some kind of social message going on in the background. So, like, what is she saying here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's saying these, like, elitist, rich, conservative incest freaks are... Bad, I guess. <laughs> possibly, quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a good message. <laughs> Tell the children, you know, <laughs> warn the warn them of their of what's to come. <laughs> so the charmed ones are still on the road while all this goes down, even though Blue only had like a fifteen second head start. Bitch, there's no way. There's no way that all of this would have went down in that amount of time. Do you know, there are multiple scenes throughout the entire series where people leave their house right in front of them and then they just, like, can't catch up with them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ever. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, Blue Prue, she's going on without us. And then they're like, okay, real quick, who has to make? (laughs) Phoebe has worked out somehow that Gabriel can be hurt by his own sword. And because she's much better at violence than she is at drawing, she has a premonition (laughs) that Gabriel will attack at home soon. Uh, Andy stares longingly at his dead girlfriend. But, like, who is the morgue guy? He's pretty good. So the actor playing the coroner is named Bernie Koppel, and he's been in the business for, like, a really long time. Like, was on the love boat in the original Charlie's Angels long time. He appeared on Bewitch nine times and played, like, six different characters in total on the show. I bet that's where I know him from. I can't remember it exactly, but I watched a lot of fucking Bewitched when I was younger. Something about him feels very old Hollywood, probably because he's old and in Hollywood. Um, (laughs) But he might seem familiar because he's been in the background of a bunch of projects like Bewitched. So it's possible we've seen him a whole bunch of times and already like him from other stuff. Kind of like with Doug Jones in Hocus Pocus that we just talked about. Right. I don't know. He does just have this like very classical professional acting style. Yeah. It leaves an impression even though he has like six lines yeah he's like really warm sophisticated yes gabriel attacks the manor but prue has her stunner shades on and gabriel is so mad about it that he kills phoebe's new toy piper freezes him and then phoebe kicks the fucking crap out of him and this is a move that they start to do a lot once phoebe learns how to kickbox yeah she's this is her start of it this is her self-defense class is kicking in so now she's like martial arts master you know (laughs) <laughs> I do. I love that they went in that direction. That because because I mean I think I don't know. I think Phoebe's powers are cool as shit. I really do. But I I kind of love that they like made her learn martial arts. It's just I don't. She's like a badass. I know that Phoebe gets all like dumb about boys <laughs> as the seasons go on, but she's also always just like a badass, and so that's why I just always kind of have to love her. I mean, I see what you're saying. It, it is cool that they gave her something else to contribute to the group that wasn't just like being the gps you know like (laughs) that's nice you're like lassie (laughs) (laughs) what are your feelings about phoebe kevin are you a phoebe stan like now or for the whole series i mean whatever speak on it girl yeah tell your (laughs) truth i like I like Phoebe when she's single. I think she's strongest when she's finding herself. She she's more in tune with her ability to help people then. So and she and she does get single uh, a little bit later in the series too. And like in, there's a part in season seven which I like a very brief period, but a brief period in season seven where I'm like, okay, get some old Phoebe back here. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
I I really I really enjoyed her much more in the earlier seasons, season one, season one especially because yeah, you can tell you know when she gets the power of empathy. Earlier seasons, you can see why she would get it because she has those tendencies already. So that made sense to me. But then when she gets it, it doesn't seem worth it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. The empathy power is fucking ridiculous. Like, even the show <laughs> creators knew it. They couldn't even make it last through the whole season. Yeah. I mean, it made her pretty powerful, but... But it made her act insane all the time. <laughs> season one, Phoebe, is my favorite as well. I think she's really likable in this season. I think she's the most interesting of the three characters in this season. But then once she starts dating seriously on the show, I just fucking hate her. I just hate her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have strong feelings about Phoebe with Cole. <laughs> it's it's yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get to it when we get there. I do want to say, because one of you just called out that like this becomes their basic formula, um, freeze kick thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's this part in season three where Cole like makes a comment about it. Like it's basically a read. <laughs> He says says they can't take down the Brotherhood with your basic kick, freeze, and magical move. No offense. (laughs) (laughs) And then Piper says, offense taken. (laughs) I mean, what does that say about the demons that they fight, though, if that's what works Mm -hmm. all the time? Well, I I enjoy moments like that when shows make fun of themselves. Yeah, they're self-aware. Like when the writing on the Mm -hmm. show makes fun of the show. I love that. So Prue grabs the sword after Phoebe exercises her new skill and just chucks it at Gabriel magically, obviously, because, you know, not athletic. And this triggers a fairly lame vanquish, I think. And it even destroys the sword. And Phoebe looks away like she can't deal with it, like it's the most disgusting thing in the world. But really, it's just <laughs> glitter. It's, just, it's not it's not much. <laughs> No, really. He's melting into vapor. <laughs> it's not gruesome at all. I think it looks really silly. Yeah, it's um, not a good vanquish. Mm-mm. I mean, it's not like episode three bad, but <laughs> it's pretty bad. What? We talk about Cinda a lot. <laughs> I can't get over her. I will never get over Cinda. She's iconic, really. She, uh, yes, she, thank you. Truly is. I'm going to be Cinda for fucking Halloween, okay? <laughs> Yeah, get your Bowie haircut. (laughs) So immediately after the vanquish, Andy shows up to abduct Prue and take her to look at dead bodies, but doesn't notice the freshly shattered front window. Andy demands that Prue explain her outfit, and she gaslights him into thinking he's crazy. Which, as I understand it, is how most heterosexual relationships go. (laughs) I, I do feel really sorry for Andy, though, in this episode. Yeah. Because I'm like, and this is this is the point where, like, you need to know. Like, this has gone on far too long. Like, I need you to know already. Yeah, it does get, I mean, we have discussed this before, and we will discuss it again. Like, a really big focus of season one is don't let Andy find out we're witches. And that's a through line through the whole thing. And I just think by now it's gotten kind of tired. And this is, like, their first attempt to kind of wrap it up. Right. So I think that, like, the Wendigo should have been the breaking point for Andy's story to change with them. But it wasn't because they realized they weren't ready yet. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but this episode actually is the breaking point. Um, Right. And, I mean, honestly, this one's a little bit... This one's almost harder to deal with because he saw Prue's dead body and then she vanished. Like this one's, this one's, I think, even harder to deal with than maybe I didn't see everything correctly when I was being knocked unconscious by that serial killer or whatever. But so after this episode, we have this little um, room to breathe with that 70s episode. And then from there on, 
Andy's connection to the witches and the witchcraft and the demon world is like the focus of what drives season one home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that this is our breaking point. At Quake, Piper finishes the inventory and acts like she actually put any work into it. Phoebe is happy that the other Prues died. <laughs> She's so stoked that Gabriel killed killed the triplets, like that it was done. Two down, one to go. Like, oh Oh, wow yeah baby's playing the long game though she'll get her (laughs) she will eventually yes she will (laughs) yep and then finally at the cop shop andy is assembling his evidence into a cute little manila file on prue and there's an article about witchcraft but he's like super stressed about it gotta get those fucking witches I mean, it's so strange to me that it's taken Andy so long to go that direction with them when literally when we first meet Andy, he's all gung ho about witches, first of all, like that's his whole fucking thing. And then there's a whole nother episode where he investigates the murders of witches and Prue is there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do you notice though, there's a, a wrong thing in that little file he has with the tickets in it. It said Prue's birthday was February 16th, 1972. I'm like, what kind of crazy is that? <laughs> Andy, you stupid bitch. February <laughs> like, what? That's not right. February what? 16th. Yeah, she's not a fucking Aquarius. She- no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and the year is 1972. She's even y- like younger. So that to me says that even from their teenage years, Prue was lying about her age. Maybe, maybe that's what <laughs> it is. To her boyfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. No wonder he doesn't trust her. Jesus Christ. Maybe Andy's really into astrology. And when he heard her say, I'm a Scorpio, he was like, wait a minute, bitch. That's when it all blew wide open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So final thoughts. Final thoughts. Do we have any final thoughts? Kevin, why don't you go first? Okay. <laughs> Just like there are some problems in this episode, but I think there's also a lot of really good things. I thought there's lots of good character development, lots of really fun moments. Um, and I like that the momentum of the show is 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 in a good spot here. So yeah, I think it's just it's a really fun episode for me. I'm always gonna enjoy this one. I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of great character development in this episode. I think that overall it's a wonderful watch. It's fun to watch. I don't care for the casual, blatant racism in the beginning or the super incesty vibes, even <laughs> though that seems to be my focus a lot of the time. It's all you ever want to talk about. oh 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 you guys you know what i'm having a premonition phoenix is going to talk about incest in the next episode (laughs) whoa it's the future (laughs) no siren i i uh i'm excited to see if that prediction of yours comes true yeah i bet money it does um really my only beef with it is the opening scene it just it sucks and it's racist and it's pretty obvious. Um, other than that, it's a great episode. I, it's definitely one of the funnier ones. Mm-hmm. For Agreed. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so we experienced a few different deaths today. If I had to go with a kill of the day, I think mine would be Blue Prue because she finally gets penetrated and that's all I want. She's begging for <laughs> it the whole episode. <laughs> uh, my kill of the day is definitely Megan Kelly. I mean, Helena Statler. That, I mean, that bitch had it come in let's be real she had it coming she did i don't i just don't care for wealthy white women (laughs) (laughs) i just don't well i'm just gonna say pink sweater prue then because it just it has some significance she's the first Mm -hmm. we get to feel the emotion you get to feel the connection and and we got to know her so i feel like it it is felt at least a little bit by the audience too yeah you like it when it hurts more 
Do you? Yeah, I like to feel. Oh, I like it rough, you know? Yeah. Got it. Good to know. I'm just going to log off. Um. You know, I think maybe the fact that Kill of the Day is a segment on our show speaks to like how warped my view of death is due to my trauma. I don't want to get into that right now, but it just made me think about it. Oh, I'm having another premonition. We'll get into that next episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> If I were going to rate this episode, I would give it like two out of three dead prues and an overuse of the expression binding passion. (laughs) I mean, that's a rating. (laughs) There you go. If I had to rate this episode, I would give it an unbroken streak of incest references since the beginning of our podcast. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Snap laws. Can I say like... (laughs) You can say... Anything you want. Say the most horrible possible thing you can think of. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Uh, (laughs) I want For some reason, Prude of the Fourth Power Y is coming to me, but I think I'm mixing like Cheat of the Fourth Power Y from Not Another Teen Movie. I'm tired to to talk to you. Did you ever see Not Another Teen Movie? I have not, no. Is that oh, the really? one where Chris Evan gets naked? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, he has it's, seen it. It's a, it's a banana split. I don't like those either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do 8 out of 10. Yeah, I like that. That's a good rating. Because, you know, it, it gave me a lot of what I wanted, what I needed. So before we go into our sign-off, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Yay! Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tolerating all of my advances. Of Um, course. No um, problem. It was really fun to have someone cool talking with me on the show, unlike how it is normally. You are such a fucking bitch. I hate you. (laughs) Anyway, Kevin, where can people find you? Uh, And uh, so on and so forth. All the places. Uh, Well, you can follow my podcast, Words of the Witches, where I talk about all the charmed published materials, charmed books, charmed comics, charmed magazines. It's really Uh, good. You should go listen to it. It's a really fun show oh thank you and you were on a bonus episode so you can go check that out oh yeah i was i forgot oh my god (laughs) self-promotion yes the hell of you special yeah listen to you on that uh or if you want to follow my personal page i'm not on twitter very much but uh you can go to kgz87 on instagram and all over the place naked and cosplay and modeling and singing and all that jazz uh so that's there i have only fans too but i'm not gonna well i don't know i mean plug it if you want we don't we don't sex worker shame up in this in this podcast okay, okay? Well, but my only parents is that naked nerd and i have a twitter for that naked nerd as well so uh it's like... fully fully worth the subscription just so <laughs> everyone knows i don't know i subscribe to your twitter and i find you majestic but terrifying <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i've heard that before actually thank you <laughs> and um it's just that's not for me <laughs> <laughs> all right bitch what about you where can people find you siren um honestly just listen to my podcast the witch bitches review because i have like super social media anxiety right now or you can follow me on twitter at siren spectacular siren's twitter i guess is like kind of funny <laughs> i'm okay um, you can follow me oh are you done are you done can i talk about myself now i'm yeah just go for it. uh you can follow me on instagram at phoenix arcana lightwood where sometimes i sing and sometimes i post pictures of myself in my underwear oh much like me. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can follow me on Twitter at PhoenixArcana underscore, where I also post pictures of myself in my underwear and try to be funny. You can follow the podcast <laughs> at WBRCast on all social media platforms. If you have a question or something you'd like to hear us talk about, please feel free to send us an email at witchbereview at gmail.com. All right, all my fellow proves. Until next time, keep on witching. And bitching. Bye. Bye. Bye.